Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Jason Campbell, our guest, host of Believes Everything Auburn podcast, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at jcam underscore 17. The players, the players there now see like, man, you know, the unity that we had when we was there, how we still support each other, love each other, even 20 years later, and how we were there for each other. That's the bond that you want to build inside your locker room. You're not just there for four years just to be there. You're there to, to, to do do something great, but also build great relationships that go well beyond, you know, just college football. So, you know, Carnell wanted the guys to see that, see that unity. And then after the game, like I said, guys were just so excited uh, to be able to you know that, to share that moment with him because it was a big moment. It was a monumental moment. And, and it's something that I always go down in the history for Auburn. And Cole Kublik, you know, I, I test him. I said, man, there was no better person to interview Carnell in that situation than him. I said, you know, you're a guy that played here, a guy that understand what it's like to wear that emblem on the side of your helmet. And you took advantage of that. And you took that opportunity to make the most of it and understanding the magnitude behind it. I said, what a great interview. And I said, man, it was it was exceptional because you get you gave people on the outside an opportunity to see and to feel that moment as if they was there. And, uh, you know, so kudos to him and SEC Network for allowing that much time uh, for them to be able to do that interview. I'm sure that he's going to get an interview for the job uh, with the new AD. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like he has an honestly good chance and a good opportunity to have that job full time? I say this, anytime that you hire ADs, you know, my belief is always that there's someone already tied to that AD. Um, you know, anytime that you make that decision, that's just my, you know, overall being involved in sports throughout the years, even in professional sports. Anytime they hire a GM, there's a head coach tied to that GM. Um, I will say this, though, I think Carnell has, has boosted his resume. Uh, by the way that he's galvanized these young men and the way he's he's motivating them to get to to play the game and and how he's changed the narrative, uh, I think that that also you know opens up the door for him if it's not now that later on that that gives him that opportunity uh, and everything. Like I said, he's uh, continuing to work and, and do the things he's doing, and like I said, our job is. Like I said, continues to support him and and understand, but he's not letting himself get so tied up from an emotional standpoint of whether he will be the head coach full time. I think he's like he said, he's taking care of this, taking advantage of this opportunity to pour into guys that 20, 30 years from now, the guys that's in that locker room with him can be calling him and they can still share that share those stories and talk about it and you know what a time it was for the last four games of the season in twenty twenty two. And uh, but like I said, he's boosting his resume and he's uh, and everything. And and who would have thought this before the season? So, you know, this just we'll just take it one day at a time and, and support everything that's going on and, uh, and just give the AD an opportunity to evaluate everything 
and everyone. But uh, at this standpoint, you know, I'm with Carnell on this. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to take these next four weeks. Now it's two weeks to just uh, embrace what's happening. Jason Campbell, our guest, host of Believes Everything Auburn podcast. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at jcam underscore 17. All right, Jason, name association time. I'm going to say a name. You just give me your Mm -hmm. honest thoughts on this name. Lane Kiffin. Uh, great offense in mind. Scary. Um, honestly, just a little scary just about him just staying put. I agree. I, I said if you hire him anywhere, if I'm a new AD, I'm thinking this could be a home run. I could also be looking for another coach three years from now, even if Kiffin has success. Do you because, think that's something, though, that would get uh, the, the, the core Auburn person fired up? If, if they were able to pull that off? Well, I'm just saying he's been a great offensive mind throughout the years and uh, and everything. So people know he's going to put up points. The one thing it does is recruits. Uh, you know, if you're a quarterback and receivers or running backs and things like that, you're going to jump in, jump at the opportunity to come and play for this guy uh, just because you know what type of offense he runs and, uh, and everything. Like I said, it's just, it's just a scary decision because you don't. You're not inside Lane's mind, so you don't know like how much is enough. Now I'm not talking about like financially. I'm just saying, what if he came to Auburn and you know within two to three years he was going to go to the SEC championship and win the SEC championship, find himself in the playoffs? Would that still be enough for him to say, "Hey, I'm committed to Auburn long term"? You know, is this a place he wants to be at for the next ten to fifteen years as a coach? Can he see himself doing that? And can Lane Kiffin see himself staying put? You know, we've seen him at USC. We've seen him at Tennessee. We've seen him now. At, at, uh, he was at Alabama, went in as offensive coordinator. Now he's at Ole Miss, and he's having success. And they finished the year out. He may have two back-to-back ten-win seasons that they haven't ever had at Ole Miss, and uh, and he still may leave. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, <laughs> so who knows? But uh, at the same time, you know, I I think his name is one of those names that are thrown out there, and I think the people, like I said, I think recruits would jump at it. Uh, my thing is, I'm just a little scary of it, but I'm behind whatever decision they're making, you know, because we just got to get this thing and everyone got to be on the same page. But I just uh, hope that if he takes this job and everything, that he would be committed long term. So I'm not asking you to endorse any one outside candidate for the job, but mm-hmm. I found in years of covering Tennessee with all the coaching searches that you start to compile a list of eight to ten people and there's always at least one name on there that maybe surprises you how much you like their track record or how much you like them as a coach when you start to research more as a possibility for a job. Um, maybe that's Matt Rule. Maybe that's someone else that's been mentioned at Auburn. But I'm, I'm curious, in hosting your podcast, is there a guy that you've looked into because you've seen him on a list of names that may take the job or may want the job that you thought, wow, that's not as bad of a fit as maybe I originally thought? Yeah, I don't really have a per se just the name, but when you want to look at the list, let's say uh, what who they have on there right now: Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. Uh, you know, Dion's name is on there. Matt Rule, Matt Rule, Luke Phil, Luke Fickle, um, Jeff Grimes. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone else that they had on the list that uh, we've seen them put up publicly. Um, you know, pretty much on some of these shows, but I would say the interesting name is. Hugh Freeze. And the reason I say Hugh Freeze is I think he had a daughter or two to graduate from Auburn. Um, I think, you know, he, he's been in the SEC. 
he was at Ole Miss before. He had a lot of success there, and it was kind of cut short, you know, based off some things that was happening, um, you know, with himself and, and, you know, others. But at the same time, he's gone to Liberty. He's he's uh, took a Liberty program that no one knew much about from a football standpoint and had him ranked in the top 25 multiple times. Uh, the other thing is, would he be like a Bruce Pearl? Uh, would he endorse that second opportunity and that second chance that was he was to come to Auburn? Would he be like Bruce Pearl where he's like, hey, this school is giving me a second opportunity to coach at the national stage. And will he be committed to saying, I'm going to give them everything I got and I'm going to make sure this thing is successful because this is my second opportunity I've been waiting for. And I have no other reason to want to leave, even if I have early success. This is a place I want to stay long term because because they took a chance on me. Like Auburn took a chance on Bruce Pearl. And look how it's paying off for, for the basketball program now. Bruce have had many opportunities for people to come after him and to leave, you know, but he's told people he's he's gonna stay at Auburn. He wants to retire at Auburn because they was they leaped out there and gave him a chance. And uh and Hugh Freeze could end up in the same situation. Final thing for you, Jason Campbell with us. Um can this be like a USC of last year? Is there a Lincoln Riley that will surprise us with this? How aggressive will Auburn be? And how surprised will you be if we're surprised with the name that we hear who's leaving somewhere to go to Auburn? I don't think you'll be surprised with a lot of guys that's on this list. Like, I don't think Dion's leaving the HBCU right now. I think it's, it's, it's bigger than just him and Jackson State. I think what he's trying to do uh, in the SWAC and what he's trying to do for HBCU universities by helping them become more of a – getting more opportunities, more TV opportunities, more brand opportunities, uh, helping them get bigger facilities, nicer facilities, uh, help build stadiums. I think what he's doing there, he wants to continue doing that. I think uh, he really enjoys it. I know the competitive side of him probably want to see what it's like at Power Five and who to say that may not be in his future. I'm just saying right now, I think he's more committed to finishing what he started in the HBCU rather than going elsewhere at this point. Uh, I would say no one would be surprised by Lane Kiffin hire. No one would be surprised about Hugh Freeze hire. Uh, no one, you know, would you be surprised with a Matt Rule or Jeff Grimes, someone like that? Yeah, yeah, people probably would be surprised. Um, but right now, I would probably think that they would, would be looking for an offensive-minded coach uh, because defensively, we've had some good years uh, over the last couple of years defensively. And I think offensively is where Achilles Hill has been. So I definitely think that they're probably looking for an offensive-minded guy. And and I just think with an offensive-minded guy, you're going to get recruits. And this thing could turn around a lot faster because of the transfer portal. Just look at Josh Heupel at Tennessee. Uh, you know, like I said, look at Lane Kiffin when he was at Ole Miss. How many guys he got in the transfer portal? And you, I don't know if y'all have heard or looked the scene about uh, our $100 million, $90 to $100 million indoor facility that just opened. It I got a awesome. chance to tour for the <laughs> – yeah, I got yeah, a chance I've to tour it. for the first time. This Saturday, man, and I tell you right now, if it's second to anybody in the nation, I want to know who's number one because it is ridiculous uh, how nice it is. I feel like we was in the Motel 6 when I was there. <laughs> uh, so compared, compared to what they have, like it is ridiculous. So any coach that gets that job, man, he's walking into a gold mine 
of facilities. And if you think about the transfer portal, you can get 15 guys in a transfer portal that can come in day one and be contributors or starters. That helps you automatically. So, you know, we're not far away as people think we are because we have all the things and the resources that a lot of schools don't have. We just got to make sure that we hit the right spot. And that's, the you know, making sure that the coaching hires the right spot and then trickling on down the rest of the staff and, uh, and, and that's on board. So we'll see what happens, man. And like I said, I, I just continue to just I can feel the energy around the place. Sure. And uh, and it's and from where we were two months ago or a month ago. And I, I tell you, we, it, it was not a it's not a good place as far as energy and vibe and everything. But now it feels like Auburn. You would think this team was nine and one right now with the way that energy is around that place. Change is coming. And if uh, Chad, if Jason's athletic facility was like a Motel Six, then that means like in the <laughs> Sun Belt where I was, I was basically at the Days Inn in in. Uh, Panama City Beach with the drain in the middle of the floor. Yeah, where it all comparison. slopes down yeah. to the drain, <laughs> yeah. so everything drains off yeah, in the middle it. of the floor. So, Jason, you're saying you didn't have an armory <laughs> locker room that they have at Auburn now where no. it's just a room for the pads? It's a room you literally right, go into to put pads right. on to keep the smell out of your lounge locker room they have at Auburn. It looks exactly. awesome. Exactly. Yeah, it, looks, it, it is awesome. I'm talking about like you have your own separate room that you put your shoulder pads, helmet, cleats, and wow. they have a fan. 24 hours that clean your pads and cleats and keep everything dry. And then you got a hot tub, a cold tub, and then you got the swim lap pools. And, you know, you got, if you're my offensive guy, they have a room that you can go and stand in front of the, stand in front of the, the, the wall. And they put the defense of the team you're playing in front of you. And you're able to walk through your plays while they play the defense. And you can say, okay, this is my guy. This is my guy. This is who I block. This is who I block. I said, there should be so many, None missed assignments. <laughs> I was like on a Saturday. I like after you, after seeing this, I'm just like, my goodness. I like you have everything you need, but at the end of the day, it's not about what you have for its tools. It's about what's in these kids' hearts, and uh, you know, and can they go out there and play and love the game? You want kids that love Auburn, and like Cadillac was saying the other day, he doesn't give out team, he doesn't give out individual player awards uh, since he's taken over as the head coach because of NILs you know, has kind of created individualism within some of these locker rooms because certain kids are making money, certain kids are not. Some kids getting paid a lot more than other kids. And he don't want it to come across with the same mindset in the locker room. So he wants to make sure every award is in the locker room is a team award because everything outside of that is enough individual stuff. Jason Campbell has been our guest. Another great chat with him, former Auburn quarterback, Washington as well. Uh, Thanks, man. We always appreciate the visit. Keep up the great work with the podcast uh, on the Believe Network there with the uh, Everything Auburn podcast. We'll continue to uh, take a listen to that, and things are definitely going to be newsworthy over the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I would probably guess it would probably something probably happen within Iron Bowl is always an interesting week, man. So, <laughs> yes. you know, something shapes that Iron Bowl week, I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if something shapes within the five days after the Iron Bowl. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Appreciate you, man, as always. All right, thank you. All right, well, Jason Campbell there. Whenever they make their hire, we'll get him back on and get the reaction. Can't wait. From the planes there. When we come back, reaction to week 10 across the NFL. And moving forward now, we took a look at the playoff picture. There's a lot of different storylines now. And all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are back in the hunt. 
after being dead to rights a week ago. John McClain with us next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Our longest-running guest on OutKick 360, and even prior, is John McClain, gallerysports.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Always great to chat National Football League headlines with the Pro Football Hall of Fame selector. John, hope you're doing well. And, man, uh, no one's complaining about games being boring in Week 10. Plenty of storylines this week. Last night, we saw the Eagles fall for the first time, coming off the bye week. Washington gets them. Washington's now 5-5. Five and five. They're a game out of the wild card right now in the NFC. What do you make of the NFC East? It's the best division in NFL history since they realigned and Washington will be six and five because they play the Texans, the worst team in the league, on Sunday in Houston. So every team in that division is going to have a winning record. That's remarkable. And there were so many good storylines last night, but let's let's rewind to Sunday with what we saw with Minnesota and Buffalo. Buffalo, when losing that game, they're now the sixth seed as it stands right now. 0-2 in their division. Miami is the current leader in the AFC East. The AFC East and the NFC East, compared to the rest of the, the NFL, there is a drastic drop-off division to division, except for those two. Right now, Miami's the best team in the AFC East. Might be the best team in the AFC, and that includes Kansas City, okay. because the, the Dolphins are 5-0. and when Tua talking about Lois starts and finishes a game, and he's been fantastic. You can make a serious case for him to be the MVP instead of Patrick Mahomes. And the Bills' problem, they still can't run the ball. You know, Josh Allen is the leading rusher. That's not right. And they he's committing too many turnovers. I think he's got too much on his plate. Now, losing Brian Dable to his offensive coordinator, to the Giants may have had something to do with his performance. But dating back to last season, he's averaging more than one turnover a game, and he's making them at crucial points. That was a freakish game Sunday from the goal line stand to the bad sap 
from Mitch Morrison, the fumble, the recovery for the touchdown, Bills tie it up and then lose it into overtime. And to me, that told me more about the Vikings than it did the Bills. The Bills had been struggling, but the Vikings under new coach Kevin O'Connell and their new offensive coordinator, Wes Phillips, grandson of Bob, son of Wade, they have been an even bigger surprise to me than the Miami Dolphins. John, where does the Jeff, Justin Jefferson catch in just in the the annals of history for you? And you've seen many great catches covering games live and, of course, following the league. The pure skill set that it took to catch that fourth and 18, uh, we were joking yesterday, it's rare that the game overshadows the moment, but the game was better than the catch. And that's saying something because the catch was incredible. Um, and it, had it been any other game we're probably replaying that on the loop instead of the fumble and the comeback win for the Vikings. The David Tyree Super Bowl catch from Eli Manning still the greatest catch I've ever seen because it set up a touchdown past Plexico Burris in which he was covered by Rodney Harrison. And Justin Jefferson made a great one-handed catch. You know, you wonder why all these receivers making these great catches – well, they're gloves. You don't ever see anybody making them barehanded. <laughs> Their right. gloves are sticky, and that helps them. And it was fantastic. And considering it was fourth and 18, it was clutch. Kirk Cousins just threw it up. I read something where Cousins told Jefferson, hey, man, I'm just going to throw it up. It's up to you. And he made an incredible catch to set up an incredible victory. And all of a sudden, people are taking the Vikings for real, the only problem they'll have is Kirk Cousins in prime time because he's been terrible in prime time. John, who knew that Germans celebrated John Denver's entire catalog? But that was the case on Sunday with everyone singing Country Roads by John Denver. What a scene for that game in Munich. Um, I'm watching that, and the NFL's watching it. I know they're thinking dollar signs are in their eyes. How do we capitalize on this more and more? Hutton said yesterday on the show he thinks within the next decade there's going to be a European division in the NFL. Do you think that's what's coming down the road? And if so, is it a long way away? And in the meantime, are we just simply going to get more international games out of the NFL? John, like I'd be surprised it was in the next decade. The problem is there's so many bad teams right now, and it's because of quarterbacks. Look at all the teams that need quarterbacks. Every year, teams need quarterbacks. There's not enough to go around now. And I thought one of the cool things is, or let me go back, when Oliver Luck was the general manager of the Frankfurt Galaxy in the uh, World League of American Football, when they called it then, he said they sold out every game because there have been so many Army bases military bases in Germany since World War II. And the guys that went over there loved football, our football, not their football. <laughs> and so they had so many people from the bases that would come to the games. And that's why they helped him be named president over there. So there's no doubt in my mind, Germany was going to be a big sell. 800,000 people applied for tickets and they sold 69 and change at Bayern Munich's uh, soccer stadium where the best team in Germany plays. And uh, Roger Goodell said there's going to be four more. There's a story now with a guy that heads up 
uh, the NFL over there saying they want to put a game in Spain and Paris. They're checking out those countries to see how interested they are. But they will be going back to Germany every year. They want to play in Frankfurt and Dusseldorf. I'm guessing at some point they'll play in Berlin. It was a huge success. Brady and everybody else says the best time they ever had. Peter King was there, and he wrote about it extensively on Pro Football Talk in his column Monday morning. It's fascinating to see how they just got behind it. Some people came from multiple countries away. Like one guy Peter interviewed came from Sweden because he wanted to see Tom Brady. John McClain with us. I want to stick with this theme. The Bucks have won a couple games now in a row uh, after their recent win against Seattle and Germany. Meanwhile, we have the comeback win for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers against Dallas, and now they're hosting the Titans on Thursday night football with a chance to go back-to-back in similar fashion after a losing streak. John, what are the chances we're going to see both Brady and Rodgers in the postseason? I think it's a long shot for Rodgers. They've waited too long. Yeah, they beat the Cowboys. Cowboys gave up 200 yards rushing second game in a row. Their defense all of a sudden is not playing the way it did before. Rodgers didn't throw the ball a lot, but he threw three touchdown passes. And I tell you, uh, the the NFC South is so bad. Of course the Bucks are going to win it. And when they get in the playoffs, nobody wants to play Tom Brady. Tom Brady is having a great season just like he did last year. Now, he's made some bad plays, but he had no running game till Sunday. Their defense had not played the way it did early in the season. He had a lot of injuries to key players, not to mention losing his three starting interior offensive linemen. Nobody will want to play Brady in the playoffs, and I think he's in. And as far as the Packers making a run, they know it's getting that time of the year when they have to run the ball a lot. So they did. But, boy, if they had lost it, Aaron Rodgers blasted Matt LaFleur's play calling. LaFleur took the blame for it. Had they lost that game in overtime at home to the Cowboys, there would be a lot of problems in that locker room. I do not think the Packers are going to the playoffs. So Jim Irsay and Jeff Saturday got the first laugh at people who said it's an embarrassment to hire Jeff Saturday to be the head coach, Joe Thomas, Bill Cower on CBS on Sunday, among others, acting like you've got to serve for 15 years as an assistant before getting a crack and being worthy of being an NFL head coach. Jeff Saturday shows you can enter and then win game one right out of the gates, granted against a bad Raiders team. Uh, How surprised were you with that, John? What do you think that says about the Raiders and the Colts that Saturday could galvanize that group to that level where they could go out and win a game? First of all, I think if Frank Reich was there and Jonathan Taylor was healthy for the first time in a while and ran for more than 100 yards for the first time since the first game against the Texans and Matt Ryan had played again, I think they would have beaten him with Frank Reich. But Jim Mercy wanted to look smart, so he let them play Ryan after he told them don't play him again, and they did. Now, if he'd have got stuck with Sam Ellinger, he would have lost too because Ellinger's terrible. But Jim Mercy did everything Saturday wanted. Ryan had no turnovers, had the longest run of his career, 39 yards, and he played well. And if he plays the rest of the season instead of Ellinger or Nick 
Balls, he's going to win a few more games, especially if Jonathan Taylor is healthy. He is most of that offense. So I think it was more Taylor and Ryan than I do Jeff Saturday. John McClain with Gallery Sports, and John covers all sports for Gallery Sports. And you mentioned Sam Ellinger, which reminded me of Texas losing to TCU at home Saturday night. And, John, I wanted to ask your reaction in the state of Texas to that performance from Texas. I really thought the Longhorns would win as a touchdown favorite at home and in TCU's perfect season, and they were terrible in that game. A lot of it had to do with TCU's defense, but I'm curious, you're close to a lot of Longhorns and a lot of alums. What's their response to that performance? They're upset. They're upset about a lot of things that have happened this season and Steve Sarkeesian's second season, but they're not going to fire him after two years. He's going to have another year. When more of his recruits come in, Arch Manning comes in. Quint Ewers is not as good as he was early in the season. They're wasting Dijon Robinson, who will be the first back uh, drafted, and the people are angry. They had the game at home. People didn't want to take TCU seriously. Sonny Dykes comes over from SMU. A lot of Horn Frog fans didn't want him. Why would we want to take somebody from SMU, our chief rival? And they did. Turns out, there was a big push by the Longhorns to hire Dykes, and some some alum that gives them a lot of money said no, and now they look stupid. That's what happens when you listen to alums that give you a lot of money. But right now, he's doing a great job. Is anybody in the country doing a better job than Dykes? Is anybody more deserving of the National Coach of the Year award over Dykes? They'll beat Baylor to go 11-0, and on Saturday, and there's a good chance they're going to go 12-0 and get in the college football playoff like they deserve. And what does Gary Patterson feel like after that game, wearing Longhorn burnt orange and knowing that you have a statue of yourself on TCU's campus? It was strange because he's been on the sideline before, Chad, but he's back. This time he was up where they could see him. Now, maybe TV was putting him on there because it was his former team, but he was much more prominent. He can't coach. There are restrictions. People say we're nuts if we think he doesn't have a role with the defense. A lot of people think he's going to be the next head coach. I don't. He's not cut out to be a head coach at the University of Texas where you got to kiss so much butt from powerful alums that you didn't have to kiss uh, TCU, that's not his style. I think he might end up with one of these vacancies at another school. But there's a lot of people who'd rather have him coaching the defense right now. People in Austin are really upset, just like people in Dallas are really upset. And I love it when people in Austin and Dallas are really upset. Spoken just like the Baylor alum. John McClain with us. Finally, John, the Chargers this feels like a last stand type of game for them on Sunday night football against the Chiefs. Uh, high expectations, and I know there's still a lot of football to be played here. We're going into week 11. But knowing the up and down play and how their defense has played and hasn't improved in certain areas, and as tough as Herbert is, sometimes it just isn't enough for what they're trying to accomplish. They're down wide receivers with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. They flex this game to Sunday night for a reason. It's always been a great matchup as of late between these two, Herbert and Mahomes, but this is one that the Chargers need. 
they need it. Their injury has been their season has been decimated by injury. They were my preseason Super Bowl pick. Justin Herbert was my preseason MVP, and I'm an idiot. I've been an idiot before, and I'll be an idiot again. And everybody loves Mahomes. They're going to put him on as much as they can. And if the Chargers lose this, uh, you know the AFC is not great. But uh, you never know what team's going to be hot in uh, December, January. But the Chargers are a big disappointment. But it's not so much because of poor play as it is players who they haven't had. John McClain, read his work at gallerysports.com. Great uh, website there. And always great to have him on with Outkick360. Follow him on Twitter, McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And he's an exceptional follow on game day where the Texans will be taking on the Commanders this weekend. John, thank you as always, and we will catch up with you next week. Jonathan and Chad, thank you guys very much as always. There's John McClain. Love having him on. Uh, again, he's been on with us, Chad, now, what, 12 years? Um, even prior to the start of our show. I mean, he's he would come on weekly with us. I've been talking to John McClain since 2004. Okay. Uh, Lucky on, you. On I'm a, jealous on another of show. Yeah. I'm jealous of this. I didn't mean to flex that way, Hunt, no, but I, I just wanted to point out that we're going on two decades together here in a couple of years, so it's been a long time. Uh, Yellowstone's going on quite the run. You've seen the recent season, right? The recent drop? The premiere. The yeah, premiere, Sun- yeah. Sunday's two-hour premiere. I-, I have watched it. I enjoyed it. He was one of So did a lot of Americans. Millions. We will uh, discuss the epic numbers for Yellowstone and also look ahead to our number three where we've got Frank Isola coming on to talk some NBA headlines and trade rumors, and all of the Nets background drama. Plus, Billy Lucci joins us in about 45 minutes to give us the insight on all things Texas A&M and the collapse of 2022. That's all coming up on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast host and ESPN contributor Frank Isola joins us in 10 minutes. Then Billy Lucci from TexAgs.com with the very latest on Jimbo Fisher and the fall that Texas A&M has had this fall. First, uh, more than 12 million people watched the premiere of Yellowstone and Season 5. One of them's to my left with Withrow. Um, rave reviews from what I've heard. I have not seen it yet. Um, I do know certain storylines, but no spoilers here. But this is all the rage. And this is a it's a great show with a classic storyline, and you've got Costner running everything, which is fantastic. I'm gonna give you a theory on the million. show's success that, that I that I have. New record, by the way. Yeah, the two hours were, were really good. Very, very entertaining. I've I've loved the show since the very start. I I think I watched the opening night it premiered on Paramount Network. And truly enjoyed it. I think there's a large portion of America that's very underserved when it comes to entertainment options. And this is a show that serves the middle of America in a lot of ways that don't have compelling drama, action-type shows that shows people 
they feel more in line with, even though we're talking about you know possible billionaire ranch owner and, and family, which isn't like most of America. I also think that there's a large percentage of America that's either very masculine men that can identify with these characters and living on a ranch. And there's another segment of America like myself that's probably been emasculated over the years enough to where I want to be more in touch with a masculine show and a masculine side like you see with a show like this, like a lot of America. We've softened over the years. Which was this, Game of Thrones. This is a hard show. Which was, yes. That's, that's what I think. I think that's the a first big part what, of the appeal of it. Three seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, they but now now you have Yellowstone that's hitting all of the all of the things that I think you're exactly describing. So, so much of male driven drama is aspirational and not necessarily in touch with reality. Yeah, I think this is an aspirational show for men that want to be more masculine or feel more masculine. Is you watch these guys working on a ranch. And you think, you know, maybe that could be me. Even if it couldn't be you, yeah. you want to think that it could be you. By the way, I know some of you are thinking, oh, this is like next day viewership combined. It's not. This is from same 12.1 million live plus same day viewers. So it's not even taking into account those that waited the 24 hours for the stream and then was it's, able to watch it that way. So many watch on Paramount Plus, which is the streamer associated with it. Yeah, it's no, no Paramount Plus numbers have been included in this. I'll also say this. They, they do a good job of promoing different things that are on Paramount+. Plus, and I'm going to be all in on this Sylvester Stallone, Tulsa King yeah, show. You're trying, because yeah. every, I'll they, take your recommendation. They did it. a smart job of right when that show dropped on Sunday night, they dropped Tulsa King on Paramount+. Plus, So you could go after Yellowstone and start okay. streaming the first episode of that season on Paramount+. Plus as kind of a companion show to it. I think I thought they did a good job of telling people exactly where to go to find it. There was a buzz about the premiere because the finale of season four ended with 9.3 million, and they debut this with 12.1. Some of the seasonal aspects of that, I'm sure, play a, a big factor in the 3 million drop and what else is going on, but still, I mean, this is... They have hit 53% among viewers 18 to 34. Yeah, and I think the formula is interesting with, with Tulsa King now. You take uh, an action star from the 80s and 90s, Kevin Costner, and put him as the lead in a drama, and it worked. And now you're taking an action star from the 80s and 90s, Sly Stallone, and putting him as an older man in the lead of a, of a drama, and we'll see if it works with that, that as well. But I think so much of this, that I mean, I watch it, and it's a great, uh, it's almost like watching House of the Dragon in that it's fantasy in a lot of yeah. ways when I look at Montana. We had a chance to have lunch today with someone that lives in Montana, and I told him the same thing. I watched that show and think, I got to get to Montana. That looks amazing I, to live up there. I think Fisher will take us there if we want to go. Also, I'd probably be terrified at every corner in Montana <laughs> with what's, what's up there. Coming up, Frank Isola joins us, SiriusXM host and ESPN contributor craziness with the Brooklyn Nets. He's got all the details for us and what's to come. We start hour number three with that.